This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air. Kia ora koutou katoa, kua huhi mai nei, mō tēnei o tato. My name is Peter Barron, and I am the radio pharmacist, and I'm here on OAR 105.4 FM every week. Over the next half hour, we will talk about how and why and when to use medicines and other matters concerning your health. If you missed the show or wish to listen to today's show or previous shows, these are available on podcast. I'm always happy to talk about any specific issues or questions that you have, and you can contact me at The Radio Pharmacist on Facebook or on my website at radiopharmacist.co.nz. Norida, no mai, hardi mai, and let's get started. And kia ora koutou katoa. Uh, welcome everybody on this Tuesday, uh, the first Tuesday of uh, Daylight Saving for, for this year, which uh, means that we've got that extra time at the end of the day and it's not quite as daylight quite as early in the day, which I know that uh, some people um, sort of don't greatly like it, but I just think it's absolutely marvellous. So uh, it does give us all that extra time in the evening and you're not getting woken up with the sun first thing in the morning. Although, of course, by the time of the summer solstice in mid-December, that will have changed. It's one of the delights of living living below 45 degrees south is the amount of daylight that uh, we get through the summer period. Not so much fun during the winter when our days are much shorter, but not as bad as living uh, further south or further north. So, uh, welcome. I hope that uh, you uh, were able to observe um, the public holiday yesterday in memory of the uh, of the late Queen, um, as I said last week. She's been a constant presence in all of my 71 years, and I know that for, well, for just about everybody, um, she's the only monarch that we've known. Uh, so it's sort of rather strange to uh, switch away from God save the Queen to God save the King. Obviously, it stirred up some, uh, some issues around... Um, whether we should be a republic, whether the Queen should be the, um, the head of state. I've always been of the, of the view that the Commonwealth, um, no matter how it, was, uh, how it was formed, is actually a very significant block of countries around the world where, where people from a diversity of uh, cultures, beliefs uh, and systems Share a share a commonality, and there's no doubt that um, that the Queen was a key part of that. It's going to be. I think we're all going to be watching with interest to see how Charles goes. Um, he's certainly uh, not a man who uh, has been backward in coming forward, and that's not uh, not not altogether bad. I think probably a different style from his uh, from his mother. So um, we move on from that point of history. It's been a uh, been a significant uh, point for for most people who are alive at the moment. So moving on to the affairs of the day, um, COVID numbers fortunately are continuing to drop. Um, it's still not time for us to let down our uh, our vigilance. Uh, we know that if you work in the in the healthcare sector, then uh, we still do require do require masks, and that's that's a sensible move, as I've said. I'm enjoying uh, probably the first time in many years that I haven't had, I've had COVID, but apart from that, I haven't had any of the coughs and colds and things that uh, I'd normally associate with uh, winter. Perhaps that's 
serendipity, but I suspect it's more to do with the fact that we were mainly mask wearing, and I think uh, wearing masks has probably become the become the new norm. Some interesting work going on at the moment in terms of uh, mapping new variants. We do expect that there's going to be new variants come along all of the time. We are hoping that they don't um, they don't become dominant. We're fortunate that we're heading into uh, into our summer period, so the respiratory viruses don't uh, function as well during during the summer period. Um, it'll be interesting to see what uh, happens as we we go into into our winter, but that's uh, another six months away. So the normal precautions, I mean, I still strongly urge the things that, the, the common sense things that we've learned uh, through COVID and which have also uh, magnified the message around influenza and other contagious diseases like measles, etc. It's a matter of personal hygiene. It's a matter of, um, of mask wearing if it's appropriate. It's a matter of if you are uh, ill or you do have respiratory symptoms, then the smart thing to do is stay at home. Um, the government, in its wisdom, and I think most people are grateful for this, through COVID did extend the period of uh, sick leave from five days to 10 days. And with a still a seven-day isolation period for those that test positive with rapid antigen test, um, then it's it's important that you are able to spend at home. You don't you don't go and share your your COVID with your workmates or your schoolmates or your family or your friends. Um, the the other key thing is that close household contacts. Uh, as long as you do a rapid antigen test each day, uh, and that's negative, then you don't need to self isolate. But obviously, still take the same precautions because the last thing you want to do is take that off once again to your workplace or your school place, your university, etc., 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 or to people you might be visiting. Remember that uh, rat tests are still and masks are still provided free. All you need to do is um, go online, find the rat locator guide, um, and get the order number, and then you can go to any of the rat collection points you'll find at many pharmacies. And also the testing centres um, still are offering free rapid antigen tests and masks. The other thing that uh, I've certainly been pushing right through this whole pandemic is the importance of uh, making sure that your nutrition is good, uh, that you're getting adequate supplies of vitamins, and I particularly refer to, uh, to vitamin D. Uh, we're now coming into the period where at these latitudes you can make vitamin D again. <clears throat> so remembering, of course, that uh, vitamin D requires uh, UVB, so that's the wavelength and the, what we call UVB range, and that has to get through the atmosphere. And unfortunately, if you live uh, south of about 35 degrees of latitude, then during the winter months, uh, late late. Uh, autumn, winter, early spring, what we call the sun angle is too low. So if you look in Dunedin, the, the sun is, is low in the northern sky, and that means that the UVB which is coming through just bounces off the atmosphere. So we can't make vitamin D. We have to take vitamin D in, in our diet or synthesize it, and that synthetic process involves uh, vitamin D penetrating our skin. Now that, of course, raises another problem. This is there's always contrary arguments. Um, 
with the uh, melanoma campaigns, which are very, very important, and the issue of keeping covered up, um, what that unfortunately does is it means that you don't get the sun exposure that you need to make vitamin D. And this has become very evident in Australia, where they've had a very successful slip, slop, uh, slap, or slap, slop, slip, whatever it is, uh, campaign, because melanoma is, is a key issue. But one of the problems that's arising from that, or two problems arise from that, is one, that um, the vitamin D levels in a lot of people have gone down. So particularly in older people who don't get outside, often in school kids who are completely covered up. And uh, when some, uh, some religions where people are, are fully covered, uh, wearing the hijab, etc., that can also be an issue. The other issue, of course, is that people with darker complexions compared to people with paler complexions like mine need a lot more vitamin D. Um, that's the, the, the fact that we have darker skin is to protect us against um, the harmful effects of ultraviolet light and the, the harmful uh, wavelengths of ultraviolet light. But in the case of UVB, we need that UVB to be able to make our vitamin D. So the simple solution to that is that the, the vitamin D supplements are, are readily available. There's certainly been some argument around the world. In the UK, I know that uh, the, most of the health professionals there have been advocating right since the start of the um, Omicron pandemic that people, everybody should be supplementing with vitamin D. Uh, the, there are two ways that you can get supplements in New Zealand. You can buy them uh, from a health food store or from a pharmacy. Uh, the maximum quantity or maximum strength we're allowed to sell is 1,000 international units. You can also have them prescribed by your doctor, in which case they'll be prescribed in a capsule, generally taken once a month, but sometimes more often than that, with 50,000 international units. Uh, and we're increasingly seeing doctors uh, routinely prescribing vitamin D for people they consider at risk, which would be older people, people in uh, rest homes, etc., etc., etc. So vitamin D is is very, very important. Um, I've always been a, a huge advocate of, uh, of vitamin C, particularly in viral infections. One of the things that uh, certainly became clear from some studies uh, during the COVID pandemic was that many people not all people, but many people who were admitted to intensive care or high dependency units were actually deficient in vitamin D. Uh, and that, to me, vitamin D is, is actually more of a hormone than a vitamin. It's, it's called vitamin D. So there's, I think that uh, as time goes on, we, we're starting to understand that the role of, of things like vitamin D and vitamin C is fundamentally important uh, for our general health. One of the, so moving on, one of the other um, concerns that I've had for, increasing concerns I've had for many years as a pharmacist is the increasing uh, amount of uh, pharmaceuticals that are being uh, used to treat uh, a range of anxiety, depression type audits. Now, there's no doubt that anxiety, depression, etc., are real. But uh, where I was working uh, three or four years ago in Australia, and I was working in Western Australia in the mining communities, we're getting to a point that I think probably the majority of the population, young and old, were taking antidepressants. 
And um, to my mind, that's a yeah. These are these are useful medications, but they're not uh, they're not population wide type medications. And I kind of suspect that we're falling into the trap again of uh, of looking to pharmaceutical solutions for for broad problems. Now, obviously, I'm a pharmacist. Um, I quite unashamedly. And part of the pharmaceutical industry, and I often describe uh, my role as a as to being a drug dealer. Now, people, oh, what do you mean drug dealer? Well, what I mean by that is that uh, as a community pharmacist, I'm effectively the retail shop front for the pharmaceutical industry, and the pharmaceutical industry is very, very important to us. It's very important not just in prescribed medicines, but in your cough and cold remedies, a whole range of things which which we use, and all, all cultures use. I mean, uh, it's not, not peculiar to, uh, to Western medicine. You've got uh, very ancient medicines. You've got Chinese medicines. You've got the pharmacopoeias that came out of, uh, of Islam in the Middle East. Uh, you've got uh, rongoa Māori in New Zealand. Uh, in Australia, you've got huge wisdom amongst uh, the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island people who who simply know they know what plants help them, and I think we we all we all know that um, it, it's uh, as we've moved to um, not just commercialise, but as we've moved to make more access and standardise medicines, uh, it's become increasingly more important that we know exactly what we're giving people. That you're not sort of taking a handful of this and a handful of that in the hope that. It, uh, it might work for you. So we're going to go to a break and um, we're going to, then when I come back, I'm going to talk some more, particularly about treatment, anxiety, depression and some of the underlying causes. So let's go to a bit of a break here. The Radio Pharmacist, sharing tips and practical advice on the management of a range of healthcare matters every Tuesday at noon on ORFM Dunedin taking the time to explore some of the bigger issues around health and well-being in simple, easy language we can all understand. The Radio Pharmacist, bold, innovative, sometimes controversial, and not afraid to tell it as it is. Tune in Tuesdays at noon on 105.4 FM and 1575 AM or online at oar.org.nz. That's The Radio Pharmacist, every week on Tuesdays at noon. This is Peter Barron, the radio pharmacist. Make your vote count this election by voting Peter Barron number one. Your city needs your help. Vote the radio pharmacist, Peter Barron. Make the right choice for Dunedin City Council. Vote Peter Barron for experience, trust, integrity, honesty. Please vote the radio pharmacist, Peter Barron number one. Kia ora and thank you. Authorised by Peter Barron, 247 Malvern Street, Dunedin. No dark sarcasm 
Kia ora katoa, back with Peter Barron, the radio pharmacist, here on my normal Tuesday slot. Remember, if you uh, miss today's uh, broadcast or you want to listen to it again, you can always do that by listening to the podcast at oar.org.nz and click on the podcast link. You can also do that by going to my personal radio pharmacist site, radiopharmacist.co.nz, and once again, clicking on the on the podcast. Excuse me, clicking on the podcast link. Um, select Radio Pharmacist and choose the show that you want to look at. So before the break, we were talking about vitamin D and uh, we and I was talking also about anxiety, depression. There's some recent work which um, seems to link vitamin D to um, ADHD, uh, which we're getting increasing diagnoses of ADHD. Um, they're not absolutely certain why at this stage but there's some Finnish work which suggests that there there is a link um, ADHD is, is a very complex disorder and one of the factors that we believe may be involved is a genetic change or abnormality that occurs in individuals with ADHD and with anxiety and it's called has to do with what we call MTHFR now, um, MTHFR is a gene, the name of a gene and an enzyme in the human body. Its full name, if you want to be really bored, is methylene tetrahydrofolate reductase, uh, to be specific. And this gene tells the body how to make, so it's the, it's the instruction manual for the body to make the enzyme. Now, that enzyme, MTHFR, is very, very important in processing um, vitamin, the vitamin B group. And in our particular case that we're talking about here, folic acid, which is otherwise vitamin B9. So in order for us to turn vitamin B9 from the form that we take it, we can't make it in our bodies, we have to take it in in our diet. And we take it in, in essentially what is an inactive form, and then with the, the body, it goes to the liver, and by the action of this enzyme, what it does is it activates that molecule. In chemical terms, it adds a methyl group to it. But if you're not a pharmacist or a chemist, then it doesn't really matter. The, the, it's a process called methylization. Now, um, and the, the methylfolate then converts uh, amino acids for a variety of the body's functions, including the manufacture of things like serotonin and dopamine, melatonin. These are these are the hormones. Some of them, the serotonin, sometimes called the happy hormone, and melatonin, the sleep hormone. So the problem becomes is if the this MTHFR gene becomes mutated it can't produce the enzyme correctly. So that just then flows down. It doesn't stop the process, but it can slow the process down because we're fortunate that when we were designed as human beings, there's lots of feedback loops. So there, there are some fail-safe mechanisms. If the, main, if the main road's closed, then there are some side roads that you can take. But of course, like if you have to go off the main road, you go down the side roads, then uh, sometimes the, the road's not quite as effective, it's a bit narrow, can be a bit rutted, it doesn't work as well. So that does slow down the, the whole process. So, as I said, coming back to the genes, so the genes are pieces of our DNA 
that control a specific characteristic. Now, um, for instance, if your hair color or your eye color is going to be controlled by your genes. And each gene is made up of, um, of two what we call technically LLs. That's specific forms of that gene. And those uh, genes and their LLs determine what traits we inherit from our ancestors. So, as I said, sometimes these traits are quite obvious. Uh, sometimes you can have blue eyes or brown eyes, uh, green eyes. Sometimes people have different coloured eyes, uh, one of each. And that's, for, that's coded for by these genes. So other times it's not obvious. There are some people, for instance, with, because of the genetic differences, will metabolise caffeine very quickly. Uh, and others may find that uh, they metabolise it very slowly. And we find the same with a lot of medications. Some people are rapid metabolisers, i.e. you have to give a higher dose to get a certain effect. Other people are slower, you may have to reduce the dose. So... And what is a mutation? A mutation is a naturally occurring process that causes a specific variation or one or more of the LLs of that particular gene. And that changes the sequence in the DNA. Um, so if, you've, if both of them get changed, then it's going to have a greater impact than if one of them get changed. I think that's probably fairly, fairly intuitive. So we all inherit two MTHFR genes, like everything else, one from our mother and one from our father. So the mutations that I'm talking about here uh, suggest that the MTFR mutations, up to 40%, that's 4 out of 10 people, may have a mutation of some kind. And that suggests that, and the data says, that between 6 and 14% of Caucasians and about 2% of those of African descent probably have some more severe, i.e., two uh, mutated uh, LLs or versions of mutation. In people of Hispanic background, the number may be as high as 21%. But as I'm saying, even having one mutated LL is associated with an increased risk in certain health problems. So, for instance, if you've got one mutated LL at either of two specific locations associated with a 20 to 40% reduced activity of the MTHFR enzyme. Just depends where it's located. And having two at the same location is associated with a 40 to 70% reduction in enzyme activity again, with severity depending upon the location. So some people may have two mutated LLs, as I've said, one at each of the two different locations on the gene, and that also increases risk of a number of health issues. So, folks, look, we're out of time for today. I will come back and we'll talk some more about this um, next week. In the meantime, um, we're out of time. So, Norida, tēnā koto, tēnā koto, tēnā tato katoa. Well, folks, all good things must come to an end. And we are out of time for today. Thanks for listening. And I hope that you found today's kōrero useful. If you have a question for me or a subject you would like me to discuss on the show, please message me on the Radio Pharmacist on Facebook or at my website at radiopharmacist.co.nz. If you missed today's show or previous shows, they're available on podcast at oar.org.nz. This is Peter Barron, the Radio Pharmacist, signing off OAR 105.4 FM for today. So until next Tuesday at noon, ka kite
This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.